You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. Um, I'm Zach. I'm one of the worship leaders here at New Hope. And uh, Christmas is a few days away. We've been talking about it for weeks, and it's finally upon us. So just to show of hands, who's done shopping? Not me. All right. Um, (laughs) Christmas means a lot of things to a lot of different people. For some people, it means presents. Um, I know for kids, it definitely means presents. Um, It could mean snow and lights and Santa Claus. He's pretty cool. Um, For some people, it's all about spending time with family or it's about spending time with friends. And I agree, all those things are cool. They're fun. It's awesome. Family's great. Friends are great. Um, But that is not what Christmas is about. Not down at the heart of it. Um, It's actually found in the namesake of Christmas. The meaning is found there. Um, Christ Mass. Christmas. Christ Mass. It's a, it's a day about Christ. It's a day dedicated to our Savior, right? We celebrate the birth of our Savior into this world. That's what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. We've been going through the Old Testament looking at various prophecies about Jesus, pointing to Jesus, because we believe that the entire Bible is a story about Jesus. And so if uh, you're just now with us, if you haven't been here for the past few weeks, I do want to just give you a quick recap on, on kind of why we need a Savior, why we're waiting on this Savior. Um, long time ago, God created a good, perfect earth. He uh, made a garden that he called Eden, and he made all the animals, and he made all the wildlife. He made all these uh, cool plants and fruits and trees. And then he made a man and a woman, and he named them Adam and Eve, and he stuck them in the garden. And God would go on these walks in the cool of the day with his son and daughter, Adam and Eve, and he would take them out on these walks, and he'd say, hey, listen, guys, I just want you to have lots of babies. Just populate this earth. Spread my influence. Spread this garden all across the earth. And I want you to, to take care of these animals that I've put here and take care of the plants and the trees. Till the ground. Make sure everything's good. Just promise me you won't do one thing. You can eat anything you want in this garden, but just don't eat from that tree. Don't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if you eat that, you're gonna die. And so one day, a serpent slithers up to Eve and he says, Eve, why don't you eat that fruit? Now we know that that serpent is the devil. We call him the Satan, the adversary, the enemy, the accuser. He's bad news. We don't trust him. And so when he asks Eve why she hasn't eaten the fruit, she says, well, I can't eat the fruit. God told me if I eat the fruit, I'll die. And he says, you won't die. So God just doesn't want you to eat the fruit because if you eat that fruit, you'll be like God. And so Eve, giving into the temptation of the serpent, ate the fruit because she wanted to be God more than she wanted to obey God. 
And so she sees that the fruit's good and she takes it to her husband, Adam, and she says, Adam, try this fruit. It's good. And Adam takes the fruit and he eats it because Adam wanted to be God more than he wanted to obey God. And immediately they both see that they're naked. And they have been naked this whole time. They just didn't know it. But now all of a sudden they're aware. And they're ashamed. And so they go and they hide themselves. And God comes down to go on one of those walks that he loves to take with his kids so much. And when he comes down, he says, where are you guys at? And they said, we're hiding. He said, why are you hiding? They said, because we're naked. He said, who told you you're naked? And so they start pointing the finger at one another and eventually the blame falls on the serpent. And so God looks at Adam and Eve and he says, what have you done? And he lays out this litany of curses on them. He starts telling them, you're gonna die now. You're gonna have painful childbirth. You're gonna work all the days of your life and you're gonna break your back over it. It's gonna be horrible work. It's gonna be a hard life. But worst of all, God has to separate Adam and Eve from himself because God can't just be in the presence of sin. That's not something he can just do. And then he turns to the serpent and he looks at him and he says, and as for you, he says, all the days of your life, you're going to crawl on your belly and you're going to eat the dust of this earth. And I want you to know that one day the woman is going to have a son and he's going to crush your head. You're going to bite his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And that's the story of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is us waiting for this son. Who's it going to be? Who's going to rise up and kill this serpent that's, that's tricked us, that's kind of given us this false route, right? Who's going to kill this serpent and make things right again? God's promised it, so who's it going to be? Is it Cain and Abel? The first two kids born from Adam and Eve? Cain takes Abel out in the field, and he gives in to the temptation of the serpent, and he kills his brother Abel in cold blood. It's not them. Is it Seth? Nope. Is it Noah, Abraham, Moses? No. Is it David? It's got to be David. David's awesome. We like David, right? He seems like he might be a messianic figure. And no, he falls too. So who is it? Well, God gives us all these prophecies. Um, there's people that God reveals a little bit of the story to over time. And they write these prophecies down about the coming Messiah and what we're to expect. And so if we read those carefully, we can start to kind of accumulate a list of things we're looking for. And there's a few main points I wanna to make today. There's tons of things to learn from those prophecies, but here's the, the three big ones, I think. One, he's from the line of David and he's gonna rule forever. Two, He's a man. And three, he's God himself. Somehow he is separate from God and the same as God. He's, he's divine and human at the same time. And so we know what we're looking for and we go all the way through the Old Testament and he's nowhere to be found. And if you're a Jew today, you're still looking for him. But we're not because we found him. When we get to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's two Gospels that really stand out for what we're talking about right now. That's the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. Because what they do is they start with a genealogy. They start with a lineage. 
Now, one is the lineage of Joseph, and the other is the lineage of Mary. Now, if you trace both of those lineages back, they lead to David. Now, we know that Jesus was born of a virgin birth, right? He was born to Mary. Joseph isn't really his dad, but he is his adopted father, right? And the way society worked back then, that mattered too. That mattered. And so what we're seeing here is when we look at Jesus, we see, okay, he is a blood relative through Mary to David, and he is adopted by a relative, Joseph, who is a relative of David, right? What we're seeing here is, Jesus is 100% from the line of David. Both ways, it's happening. He's in the family, okay? Not only that, an angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, I know you're a virgin, but you are going to have a baby. God has made this happen. This baby is the son of God, and he is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. This is the man that's going to come. It's God in the flesh. This is Emmanuel, God with us. And he's going to come and he's going to save us all. And we're there. We've got it. Like, this is the main character. This is the guy we've all been waiting for since the garden. He's finally here. His name's Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about. But the problem is we stop there sometimes. When we think about Christmas, we're like, Baby Jesus, that's what it's all about. Just baby Jesus lying in that little manger, little, little baby Jesus. And you know who that reminds me of? You guys familiar with a movie called Talladega Nights? My buddy, Ricky Bobby, he's, uh, there he is. He's sitting at the dinner table and he says, dear baby Jesus, I just want to start by thanking you for my smoking hot wife. He says, uh, thank you for this uh, this wonderful meal of KFC and the ever delicious Taco Bell. So I, I just, I just want to thank you. And he starts and his wife stops him. She says, Ricky, she said, it's kind of odd that you're always praying to baby Jesus. She said, you know, he grew up, he became a man. And he said, well, listen, I like Christmas Jesus and I'm the one praying. When you're praying, you can pray to, you know, bearded Jesus or grown up Jesus or teenage Jesus or whoever you want. But I'm praying right now and I like baby Jesus. Ricky's got on his Christmas glasses. Ricky's just seeing baby Jesus. And I think a lot of us fall into that same rut at Christmas time. We're like, it's Christmas time. Everything's happy. There's lights. There's snow. Sometimes there's snow in Indiana. But, uh, you know, baby Jesus, it's great. He's born. It's awesome. But what I want to convey to you is you can't just have baby Jesus. You don't just get that little piece of the picture and put all the rest of it away for 11 months and then come back, oh, baby Jesus is back. You know, like that's not, that's not how it works. We get all of Jesus when we get Jesus. Uh, a few weeks ago, I was talking to you about the fact that God, when he became man, when he became that little baby in that manger, that's not all that happened he put on his battle fatigues, right? God put on human flesh, but it was like putting on war gear and he was airdropping behind enemy lines and he was going into an enemy controlled territory to save a people that didn't even love him. And then Jason a week later said, well, you know, that's true. He, he did do that. But you know what else is, is when we look in the midst of that battle, we see Jesus right there with us, bullets flying overhead, everything's crazy, and he's dressing wounds in the thick of it. 
He's at the back of the field where they're bringing the wounded and he's there too and he's taking care of them in the midst of it. And then Randy said, yeah, but you know what? He's also the guy that comes along and stops the fight. He's peace. He's peace in the midst of the battle. And he's more still. Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12 says, See, my servant will act wisely. He'll be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who, appalled, uh, who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his, his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. That same God that put on fatigues to go to war to save the people he loved, the same God that can be found in the midst of battle, dressing wounds and taking care of those who are in pain. The same God that came to bring peace was born to us a baby. And that baby grew up. And as he grew up, grew up he would have studied scripture after scripture. He would have gone to temple and listened to the teachers and learned about what all the prophecies said. And I know that time and time again, he came back to that passage. And he thought long and hard about that passage because he knew it was coming one day. He knew one day that too was gonna have to come to pass. 
And that passage would eventually lead him to a garden where he would go to pray and he would take his friends with him and he would say, will you please just stay up with me and pray for me? And they say, yeah, sure. But then they fall asleep. And he's alone. He's alone in that garden. And he prays to God and he says, Father, I know what has to happen. I've read it time and time again and I don't want it. Please, like if there's any other way, take this from me because I don't want to go do what I know I have to go do. If there's any other way, let me do that. But if it's your will, I'll do it. And it was God's will. And so the Romans come and they take him away. And he's brought before the Jews. And the Jews are asked, what do you want to do with this man? And they say, kill him. We don't want him because he didn't look the way they wanted him to look. He didn't act the way he want, they wanted him to act. He wasn't what they were expecting in a Messiah. He was something completely different. And so they said, just kill him. And so they took him and they beat him. They got out whips, one called the cat of nine tails. And every time they'd strike him with that, it would tear flesh from bone. They took a crown of thorns and placed it on his head and dug it in deep until blood dripped down his face. They took the God of the universe and they sprawled him out on a tree. And they drilled holes through his hands and his feet. And then they raised him up high and exalted as the king of the Jews, just like the passage said. They made a mockery of him. And then when all was said and done, they pierced his side with a spear just to make sure that the deed was done, that everything was over. And so when you see that baby in that manger, you don't just get baby Jesus. You get all of it. You get the cross. You get the death. You get the worst of it too. And we need to be reminded of that. The reason we need to be reminded of that is because he overcame it. See, this Christmas season, you may be going through a lot. I mean, we are coming out of three of the weirdest years that I've ever seen. Um, depression is going around like crazy, um, whether it's seasonal depression or you're just tired of the way things have been going these last few years. Um, maybe you feel unloved this Christmas. Maybe you just don't feel like you've got anybody in your corner. Maybe you feel alone this Christmas. Maybe you don't have people reaching out to you like you really wish you did. Maybe you've been abused in your life. Maybe that's mental. Maybe that's physical. One way or the other, maybe you're dealing with that. Here's the thing. Jesus felt that too. You know, all our problems don't just go away at Christmas time. That's why this is important to be attached to that picture of Jesus. We can't just, can't just compartmentalize it and push it away and deal with it later. Like, life's life and sometimes it's hard, but Jesus is with us in the midst of that. That's the point I'm trying to make to you. Christmas isn't always easy. And Jesus is with you in that. He can empathize with you in that because he's dealt with the worst of it already. 
You know, maybe this Christmas you look around and you think, I don't even see God. Like, I, I don't see him at work in all this. Like, the world is just so screwed up. Like, how, like how, where is God in all this? Like, why doesn't he do anything? And you know what's crazy? Jesus felt that too. When they strung him up and, and lifted him up on that tree, he looked around and he didn't see God either. He said, why is this happening? God, why have you forsaken me? The God of the universe didn't see God. <laughs> Wrap your head around that. I mean, that's crazy. That's insane. He didn't. He looked around and he didn't see him anywhere. And he said, why have you done this? He's with you in the worst of it. But you know what? When you see that baby in that manger, you don't just see the bad part. You don't just see the death. You see all that. That's all there. But you know what else is there? You see the God who saves. You see the God that saves. You see, the problem is man wanted to be God so bad that they ate a piece of fruit thinking that it would do it for them. They ate a piece of fruit thinking, now I'll be God. And all it brought was death. It brought death and sin and sadness and sickness and all the problems that this world has, all because man wanted to be God. But God wanted man to live. God wanted every single thief, liar, cheat, murderer, what all, we're all of those things, all of us, we're all sinners. He wanted us to live so bad that he looked at his godliness and said, I'm going to set this aside and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to take care of this and I'll pick it up later. But right now I need to go down there and I need to save my people. And so he set it down and he went down and he did it. He did it all. He's reaching out to you in the midst of all this craziness, whatever you're going through. Maybe this is a great year and that's awesome. But for so many people, it's not. For so many people, it's a hard year. For so many people, every year is a hard year. And to those people and to the people having a great year, he's still reaching out to you and he's saying, I'm right here. No matter what you're going through, I'm right here. I've done it all. I've seen the worst of it. And he's telling you, it doesn't matter what it looks like for you. If you don't feel like you can make another step, that's okay because he already did it. He's with you in it. And all he's asking is that you will just take his hand, look at your life, look at everything you've done, look at all the problems, and realize you're a sinner and you're a broken person and you just want to be better and you need his help. Repent of those sins. Put them aside. Turn away from them. And just ask him. Ask him to be your God. And it's done. It's there. It's happened. Um, that's a whole lot of like what Jesus did, right? Uh, what do we do with that? Well, I was talking to Chris McFall. I told him, I saw him out in the lobby. I said, you get an honorable mention today. He said, we'll see. <laughs> we were talking like a week ago and uh, we were talking about a book. Was it Dennis Kinlaw? It was, right? And uh, he said, he's got this really cool point that he makes in it. He says, everything Jesus does, he doesn't do of himself. He says, nothing I do 
I do of myself. He does it all by the Holy Spirit, right? But the one thing it does say Jesus did of himself is that he laid down his life. That he said, this isn't mine to live. This is God's life. Everything Jesus did, he did by the Holy Spirit. That's incredible. 90% of what I do in the day is just because I'm a big baby and I want to do it my way. How much different would life look if we lived lives like Jesus? If we started looking at our lives and saying, I can't do it. Man, everything I try to do is a mess. I screw everything up. And every time I try to get better, it seems like it just gets worse. But what if we looked at our lives and we just stopped trying to be the ones that fix things? And then we just said, you know what? I'm going to do the one thing Jesus did in this life. If he was the ultimate example of what a human being is supposed to look like, then I'm going to do what he did. I'm going to lay my life down and say, this isn't mine. This is God's life. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to say, you just make the calls and I'm going to do it. It's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about what I want to see happen. It's not going to be about my pre-existing thoughts on, on what I think life should be like. It's going to be about what you think. If you want to be Jesus in every corner of your world, do nothing of yourself. That's it. That's all we got to do. If we can just look at Jesus and realize, you already did it. You're, you are so good. That, that same God that came and, and, and died on our behalf, he rose three days later and he took back his crown and he said, I am the God of the universe and I'm the king of all of this and I've got it. Just trust me. Just come to me with all your problems and I'm going to lead you through this. But you just look to me and I've got you. When we can get on that same page, life is going to be so much better. Um, I'm supposed to light the candle today. Abby was supposed to be here with me. Uh, she couldn't be here this morning. And so I'm going to take care of this guy. This is the salvation candle. And um, I really didn't know exactly what to say about it because I feel like I just talked a lot about salvation just now. Um, and so really, this Christmas just recognized that Christmas isn't just about a baby in a manger, but it's about the salvation of the world. It's about Easter. It's about Christmas. It's about everything that happens in between. Every day, recognize that it's about Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.